Amen. Um, it's great to be here. It really, really is. It really is good. I was gonna. I almost wonder. I don't know whether this is the wrong thing to say, but whether we, if anyone wants to like stand up and fill in some of these seats. Look, Hannah, right on the front row. Go on. Make me feel better anyway. Um, for those who don't know me, some of you may know my parents, Peter and Sheila Gray. I know um, that's, that's certainly true for, for some of you guys who've been here a while. Um, amazingly, I've never <coughs> been to Eltham on a Sunday. I've been once. Tim, Tim and Helen brought us once a couple of years ago to the uh, fresh ground on a Saturday. Uh, but never been in all these years. Hannah's been a number of times to Eltham, but I've never been to Eltham on a Sunday. Can you believe that? Um, but certainly, my dad was very, very good friends with Terry. Um, and in fact, when two years ago, when Tim brought us to the cafe and we just sort of looked around, it was a real encouragement, um, certainly to me, just thinking, uh, and I think this is right, that, that pretty much this kind of started in Terry's front room. Is, is, that, is that fair? Yeah? Um, and in our situation in, in Norfolk, where we are now, it's very much, um, that's the case. We're sort of just meeting in our home, there's very few of us, and sort of to sort of look around and think, wow, sort of, what was it, 40 years ago, whatever it was, 30, 40 years ago, um, Terry faithfully met in his front room, and the Lord moved, um, and a church was born, and, and here you all are, and it's, it's fabulous. Um, so we live in uh, South Norfolk, uh, it's a rural sort of community, um, in our immediate sort of circle is around about sort of half a dozen villages, perhaps, and they range maybe from... Um, two or three hundred people in them to, I don't know, maybe up to a thousand or so in some of the bigger villages. And then there's sort of a wider area uh, that we would have kind of friends in and uh, would, would visit a lot, which is maybe, I don't know, 10 miles in, 10 mile radius or something like that. And then you sort of start touching sort of market towns um, and a little bit further out. We're sort of south of Norwich, which is the big city in the area. And the area is a little bit unique. I'm, I'm originally from Liverpool. And you've got lots of sort of big towns and sort of cities around in the northwest. But East Anglia, the, the, certainly for, for Norfolk, the focus is very much to Norwich. And even the way the roads are laid out, it's like all roads lead to Norwich. Um, and so it's very much there's a city and the sort of, you sort of got circles that, that come out from that. But our circle's a little bit further south than, than that. Um, and yeah, we, we, want to, we want to see the Lord move in our area. Where, where we, if you sort of imagine a clock and you've got Norwich in the middle and we're sort of in the chunk that's sort of, I don't know, between uh, four o'clock and seven o'clock or something like that in sort of a wafer underneath the, the, the centre of the clock. And it tends to be that there's a strong C of E presence in those areas. There's a, a church in almost every village. Uh, most of those congregations are quite uh, small, very small um, and, and reasonably uh, old, get increasingly elderly. Um, and in terms of more charismatic churches, there are some around, but not really in the sort of immediate area we're in. You know, people tend to, if they want to go to one of those churches, travel out to some of the bigger towns that's maybe half an hour away or whatever. Um, and there's a very, there are literally just a few of us. There's Hannah and I, um, and we felt on our hearts that we wanted to, rather than travel out to a church, to start to have an impact on the people who we were friends with, the people who we were coming up against. And we had no idea how to do it or what to do. But in sort of almost parallel lines, if you like, we, um, 
obviously the links with my parents and stuff, we, Hannah and I are sort of from old fellowship sort of backgrounds, but we sort of haven't been in touch with the sort of MLG stream more recently and really caught up just, the Lord really kind of crossed the paths quite wonderfully really, particularly with Tim and Helen about two years ago at Easter. Um, we'd not sort of, we, we knew them well and, and, and would chat to them and whatever if we'd met them, but we hadn't really caught up with them strongly um, it's maybe about four, five, six years. Um, and the MLG family that you all are has kind of swept us up and uh, it's been a real encouragement to be involved and be encouraged by you guys. Um, so that's been a huge encouragement to us. But there are just a few of us. Um, we meet in our home and in Sophie's home sort of on different days of the week. Um, it tends to be sometimes just the three of us. There's another lady who often joins us and then we've got the kids um, on our, our, our sort of Sunday gathering. It tends to be just our families. Um, Sophie's husband couldn't make it uh, today and you pray for him. It'd be really good for him to really sort of come through to the Lord. Um, and then we also have been given the opportunity over the last year to run a service in the C of E church in one of the villages. Um, and that's been really encouraging. And Drew and Hannah have started to come up every other time we do that, which has been a real encouragement. And that sort of developed from a situation where we were just really had no idea how to hold a meeting, really, where you've got, you didn't really know kind of where people were at who were going to come. Um, you've got a whole sort of different range of people who go to a C of E church because they like the church, people who go to the C of E church and love the Lord, and there's not really an awful lot else to go to. Um, and there's a sort of different situations um, going on there. Um, and so our hearts have been exercised. The Lord's given us Sophie, which is a, a real um, blessing, because it's meant that our hearts aren't just alone. Um, even though there's just pretty much just three of us in, in, in what, what our, our hearts are engaged in, um, the, the, the freshness that's come with just the three of us We've started to do things, obviously, you know, all the things that you normally do in a church, like a Bible study. But to discover a freshness in the Lord as a new group, now you can do that as a church, no matter how long it's been going on for, you can discover a freshness in, in the Lord that's more than just the, the, the sum of the parts or, you know, my knowledge or whoever else's knowledge, inputting into that sort of Bible study or worship time or whatever. There's, a, there's a, a, a thing that the Lord creates, and it's been really encouraging, um, even though it's been ever so small, to, to spend the last few months in a small group discovering what God's heart is in the scripture and for our community and these kind of things. And we're at the stage now where we need your prayers. And I know um, John has been praying for us quite a bit, and it's been fab to have Drew and Hannah come up. But we really need to... Uh, see God start to, to sort of break out and establish a, 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 what he's done here, effectively. Establish a, a, a footprint where he's honoured in, in a real true way. Um, there's a phrase that I want to talk about this morning. It's a church that speaks. And there's something on my heart where there's kind of two streams to what I'm going to say this morning. One is a church that speaks, and I'll, I'll sort of explain a bit more about that. And the other is the greatness of God and rediscovering just how great Jesus is. And you don't do that by 
almost elevating yourself or, or with some kind of effort to, 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 to get there. You do it by humbling yourself, falling into the ground and dying and falling on your knees and saying, Lord, you're great. Lord, you've, you've got my life as a fabric, as a canvas on which to sketch out this church that's in your heart. The church is in his heart. and We've got to um, reconnect with that. And that's where we are now. I mean, we're, in our situation, we... There's in, in this sort of sense, in the sense that we perhaps might understand, dare I say, years ago, where the Lord moved in real power um, and established Elton, what are we, Green Christian Community Church, is that what we are? I nearly said Christian Fellowship there, that was, uh, how long ago was it since it was that? Um, but he established churches, didn't he? This is the pattern that he moved in. Um, and, you know, the, 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 the situation we're in, there are some Christian witness, but really as a, as a witness of Jesus and a, and a testimony of the greatness of his name, um, there needs to be a new expression of that, I think. I want to turn to um, the first chapter of Revelation. And I just want to start talking about what I mean by a church that speaks. I was trying to understand or trying to think, how do I convey what I mean by church that speaks? And Hannah uh, happily came up with a little picture that she, she'd been out running. She said, I've got this picture. Um, and I think it's to do with your speaking. I thought, right, okay. And, and, and it, I, 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 she told me and I thought, hmm, is it? And then afterwards I thought, actually, that really does explain things quite well. What, what, one of the things on my heart is that we, and this is why we're kind of focused in our, what I would call our community, so the immediate place in which we live, the immediate sort of half dozen villages, the, the families that we meet at the, church, at the school gates, you know, the, 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 the guys that we watch the football with, the, the people we have do sports clubs with, the people who we're actually, when I say community, I'm not particularly talking about the fact that we've got, you know, more fields than you have, we've got uh, Tesco's on every corner and we've only got one half an hour away or... Um, that's kind of not what I'm, I'm t if you think about community, I was, I was thinking, if you, you know those composite pictures you get with photographs of people, like hundreds of photographs of people, and then they arrange them all to make a, a big picture of something, I, I found one on the internet uh, of a toaster, and it was made up of pieces of toast, all burnt to a different degree, um, it's that kind of thing, if you, when I'm talking about speaking into our community, I'm talking about, you think about the people who you have an influence with, as you go about your, your, your lives, you know, the, the people you, you, you meet at the shops, it, it's, it's the fabric of the people rather than the geography of the place that, that I'm referring to. And I think the church has to speak into the fabric of the people with whom we, we have to do. And rather than, certainly our hearts at the moment, rather than necessarily travel to an established church, we want to see the Lord establish his church among the community that, that, we're, that we have to do. Does that make sense? And when I say a church that speaks, there's a spiritual speaking that happens way before anyone sees anything that you've done or organised or, or, or try and put together on the surface. We were singing, we want to see Jesus lifted high, a banner that flies across this, this land. What I want to say this morning is that no one will understand that banner until they hear the voice of what we are speaking to them spiritually. Um, the, the little picture that Hannah came up with, and, and I think this makes, it certainly made sense to me, that's maybe because I understand what I want to try and say. Um, if you imagine a little boat, uh, a sailing boat, 
Um, it's, it's got, uh, obviously, the, the actual hull that, that floats. Is that what you call it? A hull? I'm not really nautical, uh, I think. And it's got a mast, and it usually has uh, uh, who's, who's say boom, a jib? No, a boom. The bit that sticks out the side of the mast. Boom. We're going to go with boom. hope no one's like, listening to this or watching this like they actually knows anything about boats. Um, but that boat will drift aimlessly until it has a sail. And it's the sail that gives it its direction and impetus. Now, when I'm talking about a church speaking into the community that, in which we're in, it's, it's the influence of that sail on the boat that, that I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about. And the more I thought about this picture, the more I thought, actually, that really works. Because if you imagine the boat as your community that you're in, all those people that, that you have something to do with, um, the, the, it's, it's a similar idea when Jesus said, you, you're to be the salt of the earth. Um, you're to make a difference in those lives. You're to be to that community. You're to provide it with direction. You're to provide it with godliness. You're to provide it with a voice that speaks into their situation. Are they not crying out right now in absolute crisis? And what is the church speaking into those, into those lives? What are we actually doing that provides a direction? So if you imagine the mast, you can think of that like that as Jesus. You know, he was the, the ultimate signpost, like, like a, a, a flagpole on the cross. He was lifted up, the ultimate signpost. You imagine there's a mast as Jesus. And we're kind of grafted into Jesus, aren't we? Like the boom to the mast. And our speaking, our witness to our community has to be, as the sail is, fixed to Jesus, fixed to us as we are fixed into him. And if we, if we have that in our spirits, we can have the influence on our community that that sail has on the boat. Does that make sense? It's no longer drifting aimlessly in lost godlessness, but it has a, a purpose and a sense of direction. Does that, does that make some sense? So a church that speaks. Now, I want to show you in Revelation, in this first chapter, a vision of Jesus that sort of sets out this principle of how God speaks. So let's just pick it up in uh, verse 8. And I'm going to read the whole thing right to the end of the chapter. It says, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come, the Almighty. And then John talks. He said, John, I, John, who also am your brother and a companion in the tribulation and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was in the isle that was called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. And I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and I heard behind me a great voice as a trumpet saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. And what you see, write in a book and send it unto the seven churches which are in Asia, to Ephesus and to Smyrna and to Pergamos and to, unto Thyatira and unto Sardis and unto Philadelphia and unto Laodicea. And I turned to see the voice that spake with me and being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks and in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like the son of man, clothed with a garment down to the foot and a band of gold around his chest. And his head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow, 
and his eyes were as flames of fire. And his feet like undefined brass, as if they burned in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. And he had in his hand, in his right hand, seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was as the sun shines in his strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. And he laid his right hand upon me and said, Fear not, I am the first and the last. I am he that lives and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and death. Write the things which you have seen, and the things which are, and the things which shall be afterward. The mystery of the seven stars which you saw in my right hand, and the seven golden candlesticks. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven candlesticks which you saw are the seven churches. So here we've got a vision of Jesus. And I'm certainly, together with Hannah and Sophie, almost helpless in, Lord, how do you establish your church? There's, there's nothing really of, of the heart of what he's put on our hearts, if that makes some sense, at the moment. H how does he go about doing it? And I, I read this and thought, here's a vision of Jesus walking. It says quite specifically that the candlesticks represent the churches. And Jesus is walking amongst the candlesticks. And we get this vision of him in absolute, unapproachable glory and majesty. And we've got to recalibrate our Christian experience and life based on, on this vision of Jesus. He is unapproachable in his glory. He is he's just beyond our comprehension. I, uh, this, this passage really speaks into my heart quite specifically because about eight years or so ago, my mum was in hospital with a really serious sort of operation. And to cut a long story short... It was a very intense sort of three days in a major one-on-one -on -one ICU, and um, it was pretty intense. And she went through the operation and came um, out the other side. The, the following day, she was, she was very much uh, you know, non-communicative at all after the operation immediately. The following day, we came into the ward, and it was two, only two to the bedside, so we were sort of swapping and changing with the rest of the family. And when it was my turn to go in the first time on the Wednesday morning, I nearly fell on the floor because she was sitting up and chatting in bed, and she was fairly confused, but as she started to talk through the day, it became apparent that she'd been with Jesus, literally. It was, and, and she not only was the physical aspect of the way the, the, uh, the, the, the aftermath of the operation was, was quite incredible, but she changed as a person. And as you chatted to her on that, even though some of the things she was saying were a little bit confused, you realized she'd been with Jesus. And I, I was just, you know, after such an intense time and, you know, you weren't sure whether she was going to come back out of the operation or not or whatever. Um, I drove down because I'm originally from Liverpool, so I was driving back down to East Anglia. Um, and I had on um, one of the Fat Fish CDs, you know, uh, To You, King Jesus, that song. And it uses this, uh, these verses, with eyes like fire and feet like bronze, his face comes shining like the sun. Jesus! And you should, if you don't know that song, listen to it. Because if you get a vision of this Jesus and you realise who it is that you've received into your heart, honestly, I say the possibilities are endless. That's not that we can go out storming 
we fall into his arms and die and he is the one that establishes his church. He's the one that allows me to speak into the situation of the community that I'm in. Does that make some sense? Um, he also says, um, you can pick this up in a couple of places, but in verse 8 it says, I'm the first and the last, which was, sorry, which is and which was and which is to come. And I've got a little thing in my margin here um, which puts it in, in, in another, another way. It says, you can read that, which always is. He always is. He ever was. And he always will be. He's always going to be the coming one. There is never going to be an upgrade of Jesus. <laughs> never. What he is, is what he is. And what he ever will be. And that has to be our frame of reference. And when there's a difference between my circumstances and what I see in my life to what the Bible says about Jesus, I want, since we're in London, I want to say, mind the gap. <laughs> Not between the train and the platform edge, but between my experience and what this book says and what the Word of God says. And when our refer- a frame of reference comes back to the fact that he ever was and he always is and he ever will be and he'll never change, I have to recalibrate my experience and think, wow, Lord, if you've highlighted this issue to me, then I've got to... Now, if you stood on the platform and said, you know, I'm going to... Wet... Can you get to London from here on the tube? Is it Docklands Light Railway and then Jubilee or something like that? I don't know whereabouts it starts to say, mind the gap, whether it's the Northern Line or something, is that the closest point? But if you stood on the platform and waited for the train to come to you, you would not, you'd miss your train and you wouldn't get to your destination. And that's the same for this book. If we wait in our circumstances and don't move out into the truth of the fact that Jesus is and what he speaks is, we'll miss our destination. Uh, mind the gap. Um, we're massively running out of time already. Um, this is really important because although we understand this in our head that Jesus is ultimate, often our experience makes me suggest that my flesh is the ultimate reality. And it isn't. Jesus is the ultimate reality. Now, if you reach out and get hold of whatever you've got hold of, it's not going to last forever. This isn't going to last forever. Um, I went out in the autumn. I went out for a meal uh, with a number of, of guys, gave somebody a lift home, and he got into the back of my car. And by the time we got home, his flesh was no longer his reality. We couldn't wake him up. Um, I've been to see his, his wife a few times uh, since, and she's obviously gone through, her life's been turned upside down. And this, just this week, I was able to start to more um, specifically share the hope that's in Jesus with her. Pray for her, and pray for her family as well. It's, it's all part of this community which we know, we, we know, this guy's son and his, his wife go, and their, well, this guy's grandkids go to the same school as our kids. Um, I'd known him from a different route through work um, as well. Pray for them. Um, but our flesh, our immediate circumstances are not the ultimate reality. And we've got to understand that when God puts something on our hearts, we've got to say and judge Jesus is true. It doesn't matter. I, there's, there's so many things I can't explain to you. But I can explain that Jesus is true. I, I, 
we have to recalibrate our frame of reference on that basis. And then we get to this principle in which God works in, in the sense of God speaks spiritually before we see with our eyes or, or perceive with our understanding. And I, it's come to me that this is the way the church is established. What we speak into our community comes first before whatever we might organise or what meetings we put on or what outreach we do or whatever we put on a banner outside the building or whatever. It's what we speak spiritually. And it's interesting, it, it comes up like this in Scripture so many times, and you'll see it here. It says, I heard behind me a voice, and I turned to see. Did you see? Now, God's worked about like this right from the beginning. If you were to turn right to the beginning of the, of the Bible in Genesis 1, this is how creation um, happened. What did God do first? He spoke. Yeah, he created. He, I, I thought that first. I thought, yeah, God spoke first. But he, he created and he moved and then he spoke and he saw. Isn't that amazing? That God, this, this, this principle of operation in God's heart was right in creation. He spoke and saw. So the other thing that really encouraged my heart in, in thinking about this was that God created the heavens and the earth. And it says the earth was without form and void and darkness covered the face of the deep. Now, it was without form. What form was it in? Well, it was without form. <laughs> but it had been created. God had created. But it was without form. I always sort of say the laws of physics didn't exist then. So how you can quite... I'll just leave that one with you. But the laws of physics didn't the earth had been created, but it was without form. And darkness covered the face of the deep. How, is that not true of your community? That there's something there that's been created, but darkness covers the face of the deep. And God moved, the Spirit of God moved upon the waters. And it says, and then God said, let there be light. And God saw that there was light and he saw that it was good. It's a principle that's been, that, that, it's just a principle that God works on. He speaks and then we see. The interesting thing is that darkness can hear this voice. Darkness cannot understand my explanations of Jesus unless they come with the voice. It can't understand my Whatever it is that we've tried to strategize about, you know, we're sort of trying to think, where do we go now with this whole church? We're meeting in our homes. Um, there's a, a, a group of families, a, a small group of families that are starting to come to these C of E meetings. And we um, take the next step. How do we become more sort of visible to the community? It's, it, I, I mean, I know I'm kind of naturally reticent, but it's not much point in me coming up with a strategy. It's, Jesus has to speak into that situation, has to, has to bring it. Am I, am I okay? Slightly missing. Keep going. Um, the next thing I wanted to say was that although, not although, but since we've seen this principle of God moving in terms of the fact he speaks, keep going.
Just turn to Ezekiel 37. I love this passage. You know the dry bones? And the Lord put on certainly Hannah and I's heart um, way back in the, when we sort of first started down this road, that we were to gather together dry bones. And there's a number of different situations that we're involved in, just in our own home, where it's kind of had the effect of kind of gathering people, just, just where we start to make a relationship there. And, I'm, you know, I'm sure you do it all the time. Where you make a relationship with somebody, see it as a gathering of a community that God can move upon. And in this passage, we start to see that the servant of God now starts to operate in the same way that Jesus set out, speaking and unseeing. Um, so not only has God set this principle, but he wants us to operate in it. So you know the story, I'm sure, and I'll flip it very, very quickly. Um, the Spirit of the Lord was upon me, carried me into the valley, and I looked around, there was a valley full of bones, and they were very dry. And he was asked, can they live? And wisely, he said, Lord, you know. He wasn't going to just jump in with a kind of charismatic, yeah, of course it can, sort of thing. Um, Lord, you know. And that's the best place to be. Lord, I'm giving myself to you. You know. Um, and he said to me, prophesy to the, dry, to, to the bones. And he prophesied, he said, I'll just read the verse. Verse 4, and again, again, he said, prophesy to these bones. Say to them, you dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. And the Lord said, the Lord God said to these bones, sorry, I'm going too quickly. Slow down. Uh, verse 5, thus saith the Lord God to these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter into you, and you shall live, and I will lay sinews upon you, and bring flesh upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live, and know that I am the Lord God. Verse 7, so I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied there was a noise, and behold, a shaking, and the bones came together, bone to his bone. And when I beheld, lo, the sinews and flesh came upon them, and the skin covered them, and there was no breath in them. Then he prophesied to the wind, and the spirit filled them. That's a real principle for the church, I think, and it's certainly something that we've taken to heart. But again, it's this speaking, and then the community sees and understands. How do we get to the place? How do we get this voice in our communities? How does God put into me his voice that speaks? So just as John heard Jesus speak and he turned and saw the vision and God created the world, he spoke and then he saw it come into being. Ezekiel moved in that same principle. How do we move in that same principle to do what God wants to accomplish in our community, to realise again the greatness of his name. How did it happen? I think, that, I know you're going through, Drew was telling me you're going through 1 John at the moment. I don't know where you've got to this bit yet, but if you turn to chapter 4, there's a little verse there. Uh, John, 1 John 4, verse 4. It says, You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Now, I've always taken that verse to be a kind of a comfort. I think that's fantastic. You know, if I'm having a hard time in the world, I kind of think, you know, God's in my corner sort of thing. Isn't that great? Because he's greater. But actually, I looked at it again and thought, what it's saying is you have overcome them because God is greater in you than he is in the world. 
it's not sort of like a, a comfort blanket to sort of almost like think, well, my, you know, my dad's bigger than your dad sort of situation. This is a revelation that you've got to have in the situation you're in. You know, mind the gap. Where you've got a gap in your circumstance and God's shown you something, you know, where we've got a situation where we want to see God establish a church, I would... I would never say we've set out to, to plant a church. I would just never say that, okay? I know that was on your email. Um, but anyway, we'll move on. But that's the situation we're in, I suppose, if you want to put it in those terms. I'm absolutely clueless about how that happens. Absolutely clueless. You laugh, but I, seriously, I just, we, do we? We just don't know what to do. But what we want is God to speak in his greatness. And where we've got a situation where there's a gap, you've got to have a revelation that God is greater in that circumstance than the world is or than the situation is. I don't know what it is in your life. I don't know what the situation is. I don't know whether that's relevant. I'm sure it is relevant to the church. It's relevant to our own personal lives. You know, if you've got a temptation that keeps coming and tripping you up, can you believe that God in that circumstance is greater than my flesh? My flesh is not the ultimate reality. You know, in these days of absolute crisis, we need as a church to rediscover that there is healing in God. We were looking this week, there's some verses that I'm sure you're familiar with, but you know, you look at them and you, think, you can't get around them. And I, I get the fact that there's, there's sickness. I get the fact that we have difficult circumstances and now everyone's in utter crisis. They're on our doorstep. But get the fact that in here it says, I am the Lord that heals you and I will take all sickness from, from out of the midst of you. Now, do I know that in my life? I kind of know it in a measure. But boy, is there a gap to what that says. Because I can't get around that. Psalm 103 says, Do not forget the benefits of God that he heals all your diseases. Now, is that true in every circumstance of my life? No, it's not. Mind the gap. I've got to step into God and say, although I don't get it all, although I, I haven't got just an instant fantastic, let's just, you know, this all becomes sort of true in an instant. It doesn't work like that, but we have to act in faith upon this vision of Jesus. And we have to allow this verse where it says, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. That has to... You know, it's almost as if, is it Hebrews where it says that God is waiting for his enemies to become his footstool. And we're in a world at the moment in which these things, there's a, there's a flesh realm in which these, there's a battle for these things. They may be true in the spirit. Once you've received God in his spirit, they'll be, they are true in your life. And John says, greater is he that's in you. But that has to be worked out in the battleground of our flesh. In every circumstance, we have an opportunity to step off that platform and onto the train. If you can, get in, because obviously it's quite packed, isn't it, in London? <laughs> Do you get it? Um, I, just to finish, I was reminded um, when Mary was said you know, you, you, that she was going to have Jesus, she said, how can these things be? And the angel says, the Holy Spirit shall come upon you, and the power of the highest shall overshadow you. And that's what's got to happen for us. I want to invite you this morning to whatever circumstance, whether it's COVID-19 or whether it's a financial circumstance or a mental circumstance or whatever it is, to allow the highest 
Jesus to overshadow that circumstance, to overpower it. Just in our back garden, our neighbours have just cut down these huge trees and they were overshadowing us. And in that sense, it was kind of quite negative because they cut them down and think, wow, look at all that light and we can see so much of the sky now. Um, and that's kind of the opposite way around. But, but where we get a, an overshadowing like that of Jesus, that he becomes greater than my circumstance. He changes us. He changes our community. And I looked up, if you look up where it says to Mary, the, the power of the highest shall overshadow you. That word overshadow comes five times in the New Testament. Once when it talks to Mary, there's three times when uh, the transfiguration is occurring. It says the cloud and the glory of God overshadowed them. It's talking about the utter glory of God. And the other time, do you know any other time is? When a shadow is involved in the community. No one think of it. In Acts, we're talking about now the church and the community and us going to the community. Peter's shadow. Peter's shadow overshadowed people and they were healed in his community. Isn't that fantastic? So God's glory overshadows us and we're able to take that glory and affect our community. Um, I just wanted to finish with um, just reading this verse. This came ever so powerfully to me. Um, I'll read it as a poem. I'm sure it's been sung many, many times, but it so came to me. I, I printed it in huge letters and put it on my notice board in my office, but it really ministered to me. As I say, those of you who are a certain age might recognise, but I won't give the game away as to what it is, but thy mighty name salvation is and keeps my happy soul above. Comfort it brings and power and peace and joy and everlasting love. To me, with thy dear name are given pardon and holiness and heaven. I was so encouraged by, I think, the lady here whose prayer of faith was all of the benefits that are in Jesus that we can move into. I, I, I want to invite you to stand up or whatever. I, I just think there may be things in your heart and life. Have you heard the voice behind you? Have you heard that voice that enables you to speak in the way that we're discovering? Have you discovered the greatness of the name of Jesus? And I, I tell you, you've got to discover it every day because every day there'll be a circumstance in, in, in the world, in the flesh area, in the actual physical life that we live, whereby we have to prove that God's name is greater. And the, the wonderful thing, there's no limit to that. There's no, you don't, you don't sort of qualify and then finish. But it's a wonderful path to walk. And so it's not kind of, not trying to sort of pass an exam somehow. But if there's something specific that you want to hear God's voice on this morning, you want to hear that overshadowing voice that says, I am the Lord, I am greater then stand up. Let's stand up. I don't know whether we can pray together. I know. I mean, I, I want to. I want you guys to pray. I know you have been already, but I want you guys to pray for us because we need to know. We need to know this in our community because without without this, we kind of haven't got much of a hope. Um, come and pray, John. Um,
Yeah. 